Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage and all small businesses, and we're heard around the world every week, same time. So what I like about entrepreneurs and small business is that we're the people that are going to grow this economy. We're the ones that are going to create more jobs, and we're the ones that are going to change the economic future for ourselves and our kids and our employees and everybody around us. So we we all need to really entrepreneurship, do whatever we can to kickstart this economic recovery and build those high-paying, high-skilled 21st century jobs. Now, the first step when you're building a business is to build repeat higher-paying customers. Now, this increases your profits, it cuts your marketing costs, and it does it all at the same time. Now, so how do you do that? Well, Research shows that for all companies that are successful long-term, 80% of their business comes from word of mouth or repeat business. And the only way to get word of mouth and repeat business and the increased loyalty and, and increased spending, the higher profitability that comes with it, is to really wow your customers you have to knock their socks off. They have to walk away from doing business with you going, wow, that was great. And just think about it. When was the last time that you bought anything? I mean, in the last week, you've probably bought 200 things. When was the last time you did business with somebody and walked out saying, wow, that was great? I suspect pretty much never. Now, when you buy a product and you receive excellent service, you know, everybody's polite and they serve you quickly and all of that, and you get a great product, that's not a privilege. That's a right. You're entitled to that. So to get word of mouth, you must provide awesome customer service, and you've got to add value to every single customer interaction. So everybody in your company has to become, uh, has to be customer-centric. And they have to provide this knock-your-socks-off customer benefits. So, you know, how can you add value? In what way can you add value? Well, there are four levels of customer service. There's basic, which is you provide a good quality product and you provide good service. Then there's what's expected by the customer. And this includes an explanation of the benefits and the features, good service, good product. Then there's the value that customers really desire, which is, you know, things like providing advice on care, maintenance, additional opportunities, all of that sort of stuff. And then there's the unexpected level of, of customer service and added value. This is going the extra mile, fantastic service, adding value giving people really strong benefits. And providing unexpected value is the only way to differentiate yourself 
from your competitors. If you give basic service, expected service or desired service, you will not get the customers back. So how can I provide this extra wow with everything that we do? Well, the environment makes a difference. How easy it is to park, the appearance of of your store or whatever it is, your merchandising, your presentation, that's one way. Then there's the sensory elements, the ambiance, the atmosphere, music, visual movements, demonstrations, all that sort of stuff. There's personal contact, empathy, being empathetic, being friendly, being helpful, and having really good communication. Custom, satisfying customer requirements. You know, they want easy to locate products and good information. Then there's delivery, presentation of delivery and delivery to accommodate the customer's needs. Um, I bought something yesterday and they said we will be there between, I think it was 10 and 10.30 on Thursday. That's great because that enables me to plan the rest of my day. You know, none of this will be there sometime between 7 and 1 because that really pisses me off. Then there's financial, you know, a risk reversal of some sort, customer-friendly paperwork. All of those things help give the customer a great experience and follow-up. Follow-up's really important. It makes it the customer feels that you really care. So if you take great care of your customers, they'll come back. If you take great care of your product, they won't. You know, customers who receive fantastic added value and service tell all their friends. Those who receive only what they expect don't tell anyone. Think um, when you go to an ATM. How many times you've been to an ATM? You've been to an ATM thousands of times and it always works. So who do you tell, well, I went to the ATM today? Well, don't tell anybody. But if you go to the ATM once and it chews up your card, you tell everybody. So one mistake out of thousands, and you tell everybody. So if you just give your clients value for money, you'll likely go out of business. Now, you've got to go the extra mile and add value to every single transaction. If you don't, you won't build loyalty. You won't build brand equity. You'll be forced to compete on price, and you'll earn lower margins. So, therefore, you also, to get more customers in the door, need to spend more money on advertising and promotion to continually get new clients. You know, isn't it a lot easier just to take care of the clients you've already got? We always talk about, you know, on this show we talk week in, week out about the need to differentiate your business. Now, adding value does just that. There's very few of us have products or services that we don't have a competitor for. So that's why you've got to sell the sizzle as much as the steak. In other words, you've got to give them something extra that makes your brand really stand out. You know, I do a lot of a lot of seminars on customer service, and I'll ask the audience, you know, what can you do to add value to your customers in your business? And usually, I get dead silence. Nobody says a word. They usually say, yeah, but our, our business is different. 
You know, that business, it's easy to add value. Our business, it's hard. I get that all the time. Once you start putting people in the customer's shoes and they start thinking about every interaction, it's amazing. They'll come up and say, well, if I did this at that point, you know, if, if, if I got that, that'd be great. You know, I'd really appreciate that. Well, that's adding value. And if you think about it, you know, then once they start putting themselves in the customer's shoes, the ideas come thick and fast. And that value doesn't have to cost much. We're not talking about anything that costs a lot. In fact, little things can mean a hell of a lot. You know, if you go out to dinner and the waiter brings you a free glass of wine, what does it cost them? Nothing. Uh, or you get a, a mechanic. Um, you send your car to the mechanic and you get it back and it's washed and cleaned. You know, it doesn't cost them much, but when you get the car back, you feel great about it. There's nothing worse than getting your car back and find that those paper mats are still on the floor from when they did their grease and oil change or whatever. You know, I don't want to bother about that. I want somebody who takes that little bit of extra care. So you don't have to, and it can be little things like um, many hotels now and supermarkets film their lines, their check-in lines and their and their monitors, their um, check-out lines to monitor shoppers' reactions so that they make sure that they get through before they start getting fidgety. Now, once people start getting fidgety, they start getting pissed off. Restaurants are installing face recognition cameras so that when you walk in, they say, hi, Mr. Pritchard, how are you? And they know when you were there last. I saw you last on Thanksgiving and you just got a new client and how's it going? You know, and that makes you feel good. And the people that you're with are also impressed. Another way to add value is to put in an additional product. I mean, we sold um, quite a lot of tickets to um, the Olympics, um, not the last ones in London, but before that. And we included a disposable camera as a gift with every ticket we sold. And we didn't advertise that we were including these tickets. We just did it. And after the games, we received hundreds of letters from people thanking us for the cameras because they talked about the wonderful memories that they had. And that's much more important than selling them tickets. So we had to cut our margins slightly to give them the, t- give them the cameras. But overall, it was fantastic. Now we no longer have to compete to get those people to come back. They come back because they like doing business with us. Another excellent way that you can add value is to provide information and education. Um, combined Rural Traders, a group that had really poor brand awareness, but they built tremendous relationships in the country by assisting farmers without any cost on any aspect of being on the land. They would hold uh, seminars in little country towns and the farmers would come in and they'd talk to them about all sorts of things and give them tips and whatever and really built their customer base. People loved them um, because they were helping them. You can also customise your product or service. That's great value. You know, we're going to see continued customisation as we move forward and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a $10 item or a $20,000 item, you know, from noodle shops. When you walk into a noodle shop and you select the ingredients you want in your soup, for example, um, or whether it's customising your Harley-Davidson on the web, which you can do. Customisation gives the customer 
added value and it also involves them in the process. So no matter what business you're in, you must know that you're not selling an apple, toaster or a car. You're selling an experience. People go where there's something to enjoy, where it's fun and where they feel they're appreciated. Another way to add value is to provide exceptional service. So, you know, when I go for a haircut, I never have seemed to have much time, so I call on approach, an assistant meets me out front, parks my car for me so I won't be inconvenienced looking for a spot. When I arrive, I get a cup of coffee, I get a piece of fruit or a piece of a muffin or something, and a choice of the day's newspapers. When I get to the chair, I might get a glass of wine, and I can pick from a range of DVDs that I can watch while I'm getting my hair cut. And the last time I was there, I watched the best 50 advertisements of all time. I mean, it was educational. It was fun. So I learned a lot while I'm sitting there having a haircut. So overall, fantastic experience. Do they take the hassles out of me being away from my business? Absolutely. Do they make me feel welcome? Absolutely. Do they make me feel comfortable? <laughs> Absolutely. Am I likely to go anywhere else? No, not going anywhere else because they have me captured by adding me a little bit of value. And what's the, what's the real cost of adding, of providing that added value? A couple of minutes to park the car, a drink, newspapers offered to everybody, a coffee and a glass of wine. What, seven or eight dollars? Um, and they have saved that in advertising. They stop advertising because they're bloody well full. If you're a corporation, now when the Coca-Cola company was on an aggressive marketing push into Mexico a few years ago, they provided store owners with health insurance as an add-on to gain 100% distribution in retail stores. Now, mum and pop stores in Mexico didn't have health insurance. So this was a huge surge in sales. I mean, it made an incredible difference. So... Forget price, forget location, forget market share. The sure path to success is heart share. Then you get customer share. Market share and profitability will follow every time. So if you provide genuine customer service and add value to every transaction, you will always succeed. So don't forget, you can create a strong differentiation of your product even if your product is the same as a hundred companies doing the same thing. Remember, having a great product is about 10 to 15% of the battle. Having the investment funds to do what you need to do is another 15% of the battle. 70% is your strategy and your ability to run a business and manage people. I'm a Pritchard, and I'll talk to my first guest, Jeff Davidson, the work-life balance expert, immediately after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at bobpritchard.com that's bob at bobpritchard.com now back to the show welcome back to the bob pritchard radio show now this is the segment of the show where we speak to people who make a very positive contribution to entrepreneurs and business owners last week as as you'll remember i broadcast the show from hayman island which is in the middle of the great barrier reef and I had a few days relaxing in the sun by the pool. When I got back a couple of days ago, I was raring to go. I seemed to think a lot more clearly, and I was much, much more productive. And the reason that I mention this is because I have on the line Jeff Davidson, who is the work-life balance expert. And while I want to talk to him about his internationally acclaimed book, Simpler Living, Work-life balance is so important to all of us that we'll touch on that also. Now, before we talk to Jeff, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's written 59 books, which is extraordinary. Um, I've written half a dozen, and I find it a chore. And he has made 806 speech presentations to some of the top companies in the world. His 60-second series... The 60-second organiser, the 60-second self-starter and the 60-second innovator are popular around the world. Jeff, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Glad to be here. Now, I'm one of those people who's a workaholic, like most of us try to make a dollar today. It's, it's tough out there. And even when I've taken a break, I've always had my laptop and my iPad, my iPhone along for the ride. So you, you still wake up in the morning, even if you're um, on a holiday, and, and spend the first couple of hours looking through your emails, etc. Now, last week, I took a break without any of these necessities of life, 
and it was fantastic. I decided that the world can just leave me alone for a few days. Now I'm refreshed, rejuvenated, even dangerous. So how often <laughs> should we how often should we take a break? And is it better that we just chill out or do we need to sort of keep ourselves a little bit in, in touch? Two, two issues there. First, how often do we take a break? Depends on the individual, but I think your experience speaks well for everyone listening. Once a month, if you were to take two, three, four days and be completely out of the loop, I mean, don't even have your cell phone with you. Don't have anything that buzzes or beeps or <laughs> makes noise or makes a signal or flashes. You'd be amazed at how good you feel afterwards and how, comparatively speaking, really little transpired. I mean, you're not going to get that one call in the year that's going to be, you know, that huge yeah. contract you've been waiting for. People often will not disconnect because they've got this notion that I'm going to miss something really big. Yeah. Odds are against it. You'll be okay. So how long will this euphoria that I still feel sort of three days later, how long will this last me? Unfortunately, not too long in this day and age. I know people, I know people who go on seven day vacations. Yeah. And they come back late Sunday night. They go into the office the next morning and by 9.30 that morning, it's as if they didn't even have a vacation at all. They're so overwhelmed. Yeah. So what I tell them is come back Saturday night or Sunday morning, give yourself a half day or a full day to decompress. Then go back into the office, and you'll actually have enjoyed your vacation much better. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. But at the moment, I feel great. Now, life today, it's just so complicated. I don't know whether it's complicated or it's just that the Internet's made everything so much faster and more urgent, and we, get, we just get bombarded with stuff. So what was the trigger that inspired you to write Simpler Living? All around me, on a continuous basis, I am surrounded by career professionals who tell me that the pace of life and, indeed, work has sped up. And these are people who have read time management books. They've read stress management books. So there has to be a common denominator as to why we're all feeling this time pressure at the same time, because quite logically, we all did not become poor time managers all of a sudden. Mm. The quest for simpler living, having a little less in your house or apartment, having a little less in your car, not having quite the number of possessions, is something that could actually benefit everyone. And so I became intrigued in the topic. So can you, if, if you're a, an alpha leader, can you, um, can you really slow down? I mean, can you really have a simpler life? Isn't it sort of ingrained in your DNA that... You know, you, you want more and you sort of gather more as you go? You could make that argument. Um, I hearken back to the book from Aldous Huxley in 1932, Brave New World, in which he said, and I'm paraphrasing badly here, yeah. we make it impossible now for people to ever be alone, to have silence, to enjoy just being there. So what's happened, and uh, Huxley was so right 80 years into the future, that the devices that surround us, and mainly the mobile devices, yep. 
have made us all addicts because we're interested in who has gotten touch with us lately. Yeah. We existed for tens of thousands of years not having that need. Now, all of a sudden, in one generation, we need to know who got in touch with us in the last two or three minutes, who who put like on my Facebook, who left a <laughs> message on my answer machine. Yeah. This is learned behavior, and we can unlearn it. Yeah, I think um, we're probably a lot more educated to a lot more things, too, so a lot more things interest us that we want to keep up with. Oh, my, do they? And we... The more intelligent you are, the more interests you have, and so there's a paradox. Yeah. You're intelligent, and so you know you can't pay homage to all of the areas in which you have interest, so you have to make the tough decisions and say, okay, my life is finite. I will die someday. I only have 168 hours in a week. I have to support my family. I have to do this job. I need to take care of other things. That leaves some time to pursue our interests, but not every interest so we have to make the hard choices winnow down the pile decide what we will give our time and attention to and decide what we will not give our time and attention to well all of those things work play kids sport all entertainment all of those things um have been around for 100 years hundreds of years um and and we spend as much time travelling today to and from, well, I mean, LA, so it takes you ever. But, um, you know, we all have spent a lot of time doing that for 150 years. Why is it so different today? Is it simply the devices that have made it so complicated? Yeah, well, in my book, Breathing Space, which is uh, way, way before Simpler Living, I point out five mega realities that conspire to make us feel time-pressured. In a nutshell, they are world population. The world gains 4 million more people every, I'm sorry, 1 million more people every four days. In other words, the net gain, live births minus death. So 1 million more people means the density increases. Next comes information and technology. There are more than 20 technological breakthroughs in this world per second. 20 per second. Wow. More information is generated in a single second. More information becomes newly available in a single second than you could take in in the rest of your life at normal reading and listening speed. Yeah, I believe that. Third factor is media growth. When you and I were growing up, it was enough to hear about something happening across town. Today, we hear about everything that's going on in every corner of the world because of the media growth. So that's third. Fourth is the proliferation of paper, which we were promised would be gone by now. They said 20 years ago we'd be working in paperless offices. Yeah, I remember. But paper continues on and will for the foreseeable future. And fifth, which is the capper to the first four, choices. Every place we turn, an overabundance of choices, whether it's tennis rackets or bagels or software programs, you name it, in the office, outside of the office, in the home, outside of the home, choices abound. And Alvin Toffler told us 40 years ago that too many choices leads to a condition called future shock where our decision-making capability shuts down. And so the short answer to your question is, Yes, we've always had kids, we've always had jobs, most people have commuted, but add in all the other factors that now command your attention, and all of a sudden, every day seems packed. Yeah, 
God Toffler was extraordinary, wasn't he? Some some of his um, predictions and just simple statements, philosophical statements, were just extraordinary. Um, now, all of this, all the research that we see shows that our kids are much better at multitasking than we are. Um, they can tweet, watch TV, send a text, talk on the phone without missing a beat, all simultaneously. So. Do our kids also find life more complex or are they more likely to just take it in their stride? The longitudinal studies are not in. While some kids appear to be able to do two or three things at once, the growing concern is they're doing internal damage to themselves. They're building up uh, levels of anxiety uh, on a drip-by-drop basis that in the long term will come back to haunt them. Human physiology has been in formation for tens of thousands of years, and we don't really change all that much in a single generation. I grant you, my daughter and her friends can do a number of things well at the same time that I cannot, but I doubt very seriously whether that is a desirable long-term lifestyle, and in fact, it would be to everyone's best interest to slow down and do one thing at a time. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so why is Simpler Living different than all the other self-help books? I mean, there's literally hundreds of them out there on how to live more simply. Why is your book so different? Why has it done so well? Uh, simpler Living or Breathing Space or both? Well, both, but I, I was talking about Simpler Living. All right, in the case of Simpler Living, that book actually represents... 1,800 tips or so of 5,000 that me and my staff initially assembled. We took the best 1,800. Wow. And some of the tips are very, very basic. Everybody knows them. They're obvious, but we include them in the book for purposes of completeness. Some are middle of the road. Some people may know them, some not, and some are, are rather novel. But the long and short is that in every chapter, we go through the typical houses, the typical rooms within a house, the kitchen, the bathroom, the living room, the den, mm-hmm. bedrooms, and so forth, and on a space-by-space basis, closets, drawers, cupboards, discuss what you can do to simplify. So the book actually represents a compendium. Nobody needs to sit down and read it cover to cover, and I wouldn't suggest that. It's about 450 pages. Right. But flip to the section where you're having some complexity issues, and you'll gain 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 tips on what you can do with an emphasis on no-cost or low-cost type of techniques. Now, on top of that, there are 900 pictures in this book, 900 photos that illustrate the tip or suggestion or observation made. So, in other words, a person could sit on the living room couch, flip through the book, barely read it, and still get a ton of suggestions. That's great. That, so, that's, that was going to be my final question. Well, what do you say to people like me whose life's so bloody complex that I don't have time to read the book? Just sit there and look at the pictures. Look at the pictures, get some ideas, go focus on one area at a time. If you focus on one area at a time, you'll feel so much better that it may prompt you to go on to a second area. But if you try to do it all at once, you'll end up frustrated and defeated. Great. Jeff, thanks for being on the show this evening. I really do appreciate it. We've been chasing each other for 
a few weeks and it's great to finally get you. If you'd like to get in touch with Jeff, go to his website, breathingspace.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the show where we, we talk to the most successful and most insightful people in their field across the world. Today, it's my pleasure to talk to a guy who overcame adversity and plenty of challenges and achieved remarkable results. He's played professional sport, he's run marathons, and he's climbed mountains. At 24, he started his own company, and he retired 10 years later. As a CEO, he has engineered company turnarounds and now runs five companies of his own. Like all of us, Rowdy McLean has always wanted better outcomes and better results. Rowdy's seen great ideas, visions, dreams and strategies get swallowed up in this busy world that we live in. So, questions are, I guess, do we take on too much? Are our goals too big? We just shit house of business? Or is there another story? Playing a bigger game is what Rowdy McLean's life story is all about. He works with organisations across the globe to get them from where they are to where they want to be and where they deserve to be. Now, thousands of people all, all across the planet attend Rowdy's seminars each year. He's the author of several books, including the internationally acclaimed play a bigger game. 
He's the master of making things happen and getting things done. He challenges the average and he interrupts the status quo. Rowdy absolutely loves the game of business and life and has spent years researching the key drivers of success, achievement and getting outstanding results. Rowdy simply knows what works. He shows individuals, teams and organisations how to change the game, how to achieve more, do more, be more and have more than you ever thought possible. And Rowdy is a fellow Aussie. And I'm pleased to have him on the line in Sydney. He's not in Sydney. He's up on the Gold Coast in Australia. Hi, Rowdy. How are you? G'day, Bob. How are you today? Mate, I'm really well. Really well. Uh, You say that your book, Play a Bigger Game, is a must-read for business leaders. Why is that? There's 27 million trillion books out there for, for business leaders. Why is yours a must? a good question and uh, you know the, the reason I think my book is a must is business is all about getting ahead you know if sure. I go and speak at a conference somewhere and, and I ask people do they want to achieve more in business the answer is a resounding yes Absolutely. but you know, very few people know how to do it and most business books that show you how to make progress are complex hard to follow hard to understand whereas my book is really actually quite simple it it shows people how to get from one place to the next in simple easy steps that anybody can follow you know most people or most businesses react to market trends technology changes or customer needs this book is about getting proactive rather than reactive so you know a, a a healthy business is a proactive business and this book helps people get proactive about getting ahead is it because people you know i think this is interesting because it is because is it because people don't know how to or they're afraid to i have people ring me up you know, I'm obviously Australian too, but I've been living in California 25 years. And I have Australian businesses ring me and say, how do I get my product into Sears, for example? Well, how did you get it into the retailers in Australia? You know, it's exactly the same, but they're just afraid to do it. So is the barrier they don't know how or they've just got this, I don't know, they, they're afraid of being successful? Well, I don't know that they're afraid of being successful, but... They're afraid of rejection, I think, and, and putting themselves out there and being labelled as somebody who give it a go and, and didn't get it done, you know. Mm. But people who are successful have uh, failed heaps of times, you know. They put it out there, they try the process, they test the boundaries, they push the envelope, and, you know, so they'll try something at Sears, and if that doesn't work, they'll try it somewhere else and, until they find a formula that does work. In fact, if I'm talking to a business and they're talking about introducing a product to um, some new retailers, I go, I tell them, go and pitch it to two retailers you don't want to sell the product because you'll learn so much in that pitch and overcome the fear that you have around the pitch so that when you do go to the retailer that you do want to buy it, you are well-informed, well-armed and ready to nail it. Yeah. So what's the number one piece of business advice that you'd give to a business owner, whether they're small or large? I think any business, no matter what the size, the key thing is you need to be adding value. And by that I mean your greatest asset is your customer base and the most powerful form of marketing on the entire planet is word of mouth. So 
if you can add value in a way that your customers are always going, Geez, you know, these guys are so good, they're so fantastic, the products, you know, they just give you so much more than anybody else, they'll do all your marketing for you. Yep, I agree. So I'm always urging listeners on this program to, um, you know, it's important to develop a business plan, but not one of these washy bloody things that makes you feel good, but one that's really objective that in, then get your mentors to aggressively question all of the assumptions and take into account external factors like, you know, what your competition's likely to do in retaliation to whatever initiatives you're taking. You know, think about possible changes to government and legislation, all those sorts of things, so that you have a really um, aggressive business plan that's that's um, realistic. So why do most business plans never work? Well, I find that most business plans are too long, too detailed, and deal with stuff that's just too far into the future. You know, we live in a world of fast, and your business plans need to be able to be adaptable and flexible, and, and it needs to be working with the stuff that's really going on. You know, and you would have seen this, where businesses create a business plan that sits on the shelf gathering dust. It, you know, it's great in the two days that you spend putting it together, but it's no longer relevant almost immediately. And then you, you pick it up in 12 months' time and go, oh, that's right, I didn't do that. So in my book, Play a Bigger Game, I've got a whole process in there for putting together a really simple, effective, interactive, adaptable, flexible business plan. Why don't people follow business plans? If you're building a house... You have a set of plans and you follow them to the letter and you look at them every 10 minutes of every day and you make sure that everything's exactly where it should be. Why is it that people don't do the same thing with business plans? Is it just that where there's something lacking in our business education so that we, I don't know, I, I can't imagine why people ignore business plans after they've gone all the trouble of putting together the plan and doing all that research, etc. Why is that? Yeah, that's a great analogy about the house. And it amazes me as well. So if you're going to create a plan and it's really important to you, why don't you go and execute on the plan? And I think what happens is people get sucked back into the day-to-day operations or the nice-to-dos rather than the have-to-dos. And so the business plan, you know, is, is never easy to execute on. And so, you know, putting together that great marketing plan might be more exciting or creating that new product or delivering something to that new client is more exciting. And so the business plan gets pushed to the back all the time. Yeah, do you, do you think that um, it's because too many people spend their life working in their businesses and not on it? So if you're working on it, you would be more conscious of the business plan than if you're working in it, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I allocate, you know, I'm running five companies, but I always allocate due time. And, for instance, this morning, so it's um, 10 a.m. in Australia, I spent the first two hours doing stuff. No phone calls, no emails, just doing stuff that really needs to get done. And I also have think time. And think time is the time that I spend looking at the business plan, going, where am I going? What do I want to achieve? What's next on the horizon? Yeah. We, um, one of my major employers a few years ago, um, while I was still employable, um, we used to have a thing at the start of the day where we would sit and 
just concentrate on what we were going to do today that was going to make a dollar for the company. And then at the end of the day, the last thing we had to do before we left, and this is a, a multi-billionaire um, employer in a ginormous global enterprise, and the last thing we had to do each day was to actually write down what we did today that made a dollar for the company. And it's amazing how often you'd sit there and say, God, I worked my ass off. You know, I started at 7 o'clock this morning, and I finished at 7 o'clock tonight. I have been frenetic all day. And then you sit there and go, well, what did you do that made money for the company? Well, um... Uh, um, I'm um, well. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Is that is that a major problem in that people don't focus on what's important? Because if you don't sell somebody something, then you um, you haven't got a business, have you? Yeah, but getting getting lost in the day to day stuff and, and and you know doing. I talk to my staff staff about are you dealing with fluff or are you dealing with stuff. Because fluff is the stuff that you do so you don't have to do the hard stuff, you know. And so, you know, I make sure all my staff, similar thing to the story that you just talked about, where they, they're actually doing stuff at some stage. You know, so some of the fluff does need to, get, need to get done, but if they can't quantify the hard stuff at the end of the day, then we haven't made any progress. And I've got a, a, a process in my book called uh, False Ranking that helps people discover what's the right next thing for their business? So not what's the next easy thing or the fun thing, but yeah. what's the right thing for your business to be doing? So you know, we, we all procrastinate and get lost in those long to-do lists with you know, no real idea of, of where we're going. And so the false ranking process helps you define what's really, really important. And it's, it's quite simple. Yeah. So you... Uh, Take a piece of paper, write down the five things that you think should be done or should be important in the next 90 days. So write those five down. Right. And then you start with number one, where it might be uh, make a sales call to Sears. The second one might be put together a, uh, a flyer and who knows what the rest of them were. Right. But yeah. You then compare the first one to the next four. So is making a sales call to Sears more important than the marketing plan? Is making a sales call to Sears more important than the third thing? Is making a, a right. phone call to Sears more important than the fourth? And is it more important than the fifth? And then you just do move down one and compare the second one to the three below that. And you complete that process till you've compared every item against every other one. And what will show up will be the thing that's the most important thing to your business in the next 90 days, and that's the thing that you should work on. And, you know, when I get people to do this, they'll write down five things, and invariably, in front of mind, they go, oh, you know, this is the thing I'd really like to work on. But when we do the false ranking exercise, they go, you know, the reality is I've got to make some sales calls. If I don't do that, I'm in trouble. And so it brings the important thing right to the front of mind where you, you go, geez, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm dead. Now, you talk about um, playing a bigger game in rolling 90-day segments. So why 90 days? Why not 60 days, 30 days? Yeah, good question. So just not enough time to get any traction or see any results, you know. Uh, very little can be achieved in 30 days. And I'm talking about something significant. It's serious, yeah. 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 And anything longer than 90 days is just 
too gets lost in the day-to-day operations. It's too far into the future. So I find that if I'm working with a business and I get them to execute on four significant things during the course of the year, so one every 90 days, that in 12 months' time, their business invariably is in better shape than it was when they started. And if you repeat that year after year, as I did in my business, you can't help but make progress and become successful. Right. Now, we're running out of time, so... I was going to ask you what are the five great lies in business, but we may not have time to do five unless you can rattle them off pretty quick. But what are the what are the biggest lies in business? All right, so I'll tell you what they are. You have to buy the book, play a bigger game to read about them. But the first one is not having enough time. Yep. The second one is believing that you're too old to do it or worse, too young to do it. Yep. The third one is that I'm too busy. Yep. And the fourth one is that I don't have enough money and the fifth one is that I don't have enough knowledge. Now, they're all lies. You know, every one of that. those can be overcome. Yep. No, I, I totally agree with that. Rowdy, it's been great speaking to you. I guess you're well, um, up on the Gold Coast. It's always beautiful. The only place where it's more beautiful than, than the Gold Coast is um, Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll be there in December, so I look forward to maybe catching up and seeing Yeah, make sure time. you call me and we'll have a beer. Now, if you'd like to know more about Rowdy and his book, Play the Bigger Game, go to rowdy.com.au. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Now, we really appreciate all the emails that you send us every week and the great ideas that you tell us about and the great projects that are out there. Um, we really do our best to answer what we can. 
and uh, discuss the issues that you tell us you're really interested in. And, uh, you know, if we don't get around to your email on air, because it's impossible to do them all, then um, we will certainly answer them off air. Uh, the reason I love this segment, it doesn't matter whether you're a plumber or you have a technology company or whether no matter where you are in the world, um, businesses have all got the same issues. And uh, this is borne out by all the emails we receive. But it's such a global marketplace today that uh, what affects somebody in Nigeria affects somebody in Australia or in, um, in Texas exactly the same way. My first email today is from Alastair King from Chicago. You might remember that I began to answer this last week when I ran out of time. So, Alistair, this week, you're first out of the box. Um, dear Bob, I really enjoy the program. Keep up the good work. I realise that to be successful in today's environment, we need to continue to evolve our business, and this means we all need to be more creative. So how do I encourage my team to be more creative and to think outside the box? Alistair, that's a great question, and of course you're totally correct. We all need to continually enhance what we're offering, and uh, you know you need to have your team make being creative and thinking outside the box and trying new things. <coughs> excuse me, and thinking about product extensions as a habit. You know, it needs to be something that you do automatically every day. So creativity is an essential skill for navigating a really increasingly complex business environment. And uh, yet the path to innovative thinking can be surprisingly simple. To improve the ingenuity of your team and the way they think, get them to practice the following. First of all, reduce stress. Not to the stage where you're comatose, just Reduce stress. A little stress is good for creativity, and being overly react, overly relaxed won't get your creative juices flowing. So try and find an in-between emotional state, neither complacent nor stressed out. Get them out of the office wherever you can. Walk to work. Take public transport. Re- watch something creative on your on your iPad when you're when you're travelling. Take your team out for a walk in the morning, middle of the morning, grab some of your team, go out for a walk. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that um, you can do, and people think differently. If you're going for a walk around the block with your team and you're talking business, you will definitely think differently than if you're sitting in the office thinking about it. So thirdly, encourage them to let their minds wander. Studies show that daydreaming – creates a unique mental state and you know you think differently you connect the dots in different ways when your mind is sort of roaming all over the place and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I always think a great way to recharge your creative juices is to um, go to Disneyland (laughs) you know they've got a combination of being creative and they've got more ways to empty your pockets than any other place on earth. And uh, yet they make emptying your pockets great fun. So they have they combine real great creativity with a very commercial enterprise, and they do it unbelievably well. Well, thanks, Alistair. That was a good email. Um, Alistair will send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets. How to Blitz Your Competition, which is available at bookstores and at Amazon, and I'm confident that it will help you grow your business. 
Remember, the Bob Pritchard Show is here to help small businesses like yours to succeed. If you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that we give you each week, tell your friends to listen, go to my website and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com, follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. Until next week, have a fantastic and successful and profitable week and let's kick some butt and have some fun. See you then. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life. Thanks again.